Good morning, afternoon, or evening to anyone tuning in out there. I am your host, Colin Tong, and this is episode two of Colin's Countdowns, where I go through my five biggest sports headlines from the past week in sports. We've got a lot to talk about this week, and we will every week, so make sure you're tuning in every show to hear my takes, and know that if you are, I greatly appreciate you. In today's episode, I'm very pleased to have my good friend Matt Schlue on the show with me. Matt, how you doing? Good, how are you? It's an honor to be here. Um, miss talking sports with you and all the guys, so it's it's good to get back. And thank you to anyone out there listening to us. Yeah, I'm doing good. We got we got a lot to talk about, and I know that you're ready to talk some sports. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is Collins Countdowns. So starting us off at number five this week, uh, you know, we've had three, four days to, to think about it, and here we are talking about it. It was the Monday night game between the Bills and Titans. Um, not the outcome that the Bills wanted. Uh, us as fans, not the outcome that we wanted. And the Bills dropped to four and two. Matt, like initially, what were your original thoughts after that fourth and one Josh slips? What were your thoughts going through your head? Um, well, actually, where I was watching here at school, down at St. Bonaventure, we had a bunch of Bills fans watching, as you'd expect. And right before the play, one of my buddies like made sure, in case it didn't go right, he's like, everyone agrees with this call, right? Everyone was in agreement. So like going for it, that was the call. It's kind of like, a, get, it, get it out of the way in front, because like, no matter what happens, we're not going to you know turn around and say, well, you should have just kicked it, because obviously hindsight's easy to do that. So like we all got that out of the way. I like the call. Um, and I like the call because... You're taking the way I look at it. We've seen Derrick Henry score many game winning touchdowns in overtime, and that's because of the way that he runs defenses down as games go on. So the way I looked at it, you're taking a risk. It's like kind of a 50 50 shot. You're either betting on yourselves to get the first down and ultimately win the game, or you're putting your luck in the fate of a coin toss, because I think if they lost that coin toss, they'd lose the game. Cause like I said, the way Derrick Henry was turning up as that game comes down the stretch. So that's one of those things where if the Titans got the ball first, I think they would have scored six and ended it. And that was definitely in Sean McDermott's mind and going for it. So th that's why I liked it because I'd rather take my chances with gaining the half a yard or whatever it was. Um, so, I mean, it was just unfortunate the way it happened, but um, I don't know. Nothing. I don't hate the call and I, I like the aggression. I still think that they're a better team than the Titans. I think the defense is a lot better than what they showed last week. Because, um, I mean, we saw what they did to the Chiefs the week before, so it just kind of sucked how it happened. But I like the call, and that's really all I can say about it. Yeah, I, I like the call as well. Um, the only the only issue I had was early in the first quarter when they had chances to go for it inside the 15-yard the line and they kicked mm -hmm. the chip shot field goals. I'd like to see the aggression there. Um you know, we saw them go for it at the end of the game, and I looked at my my dad came over and watched the game, and he said, you know, that's a great call. I like the aggression, like just like you said, Matt. But where was it in the first quarter? Because if you do yeah. that early and you go for it, then, I mean, those weren't fourth and inches, but they were fourth and two, fourth and three. Um, trust your offense. I know, like you want to trust Bass and give him his opportunities because he has proven that he can he can be reliable for you, but. In that situation, the first quarter, I think you go for those ones, and you're not in that situation in the game. And like you said, Derrick Henry, they showed that graphic on the broadcast about how he 
averages nearly a yard and a half more per carry every quarter. And the Titans mm-hmm. what, scored six or seven straight drives. They they win the coin toss. You're losing the game, just like you said. I agree yeah. with that. And you know, you can't <clears throat> either. You put the ball in Josh's hands, or you put the the coin in the refs' hands and let them determine your fate. Because the Titans were proving that they were unstoppable, and the Bills had no answer for their offense, mainly or ninety five percent because of Henry. Because you see them mm-hmm. play up. You see the linebackers Milano and Edmonds move up, and they play action and hit AJ Brown across the middle. And if you see them drop back, it's going to Henry every time. So I like the aggression, and I want to see that more going forward. I hope that play call doesn't like alter what McDermott does if he ever gets in that situation again, especially if it comes to the playoffs. You don't want him trying to kick the field goal and you lose a playoff game in overtime because of a coin flip. But this game drops the Bills to 4-2. and two. Titans go to 4-2. and two. Now they're ahead of the Bills in the, the AFC with the Ravens at 5-1 and one in first place. Uh, how do you see this game like shaping what happens going down the line for the Bills and their AFC seeding picture? I mean, luckily, I went through it the other day, and I mean, we've looked at the schedule all year long, and the Bills actually, besides that game in Tampa at the Bucks, they have a pretty easy schedule. Um, the Titans do too, virtually, because I mean, they play in kind of similar to the Bills. Their division's not the strongest. I mean, they only put they already played the Colts once. They're probably the main competition, but then I mean, they still got the Texans and Jags. So. Yeah, it just sucks that if you end up tied with a team like that now, they edge you out. So now you got to look to win one more game than they do. And obviously you still have the Ravens. Um, Chargers are there too, even though they did take a pretty brutal loss last week to a team like the Ravens, who that's a big win for them now because if they end up tied, obviously the Ravens will get it. And, I mean, you still got the Chiefs that are going to come at some point. And I don't know. It's a big um, big opportunity for the Titans again this week um, against the Chiefs. They can really – open up some eyes. I feel like they kind of lost their way, especially losing to the Jets, and guys were like, oh, this team's really not for real. If you can beat the Bills, and then you can come out and beat the Chiefs, both home games for, the home fire, both home games for them will fire up their crowd. Obviously, two huge wins, because I, I would say that, I mean, it's hard to discount the Ravens, but I, I'd say that the Bills and Chiefs are probably the two, still the top two AFC teams, like, given all that the Chiefs have gone through, because I think they'll still be there in the end. And I mean, I think we'll start to see it this week, but yeah, if you can win another one there, if you're the Titans... I mean, that's big because, like I said, this is the team that lost to the Jets a couple weeks ago, and everyone kind of like, oh, there they go, like kind of threw them aside. And so I don't know. I mean, they could still be – I mean, as long as Derrick Henry's running like that, they'll always be a threat in the AFC and anywhere they go after that. But I don't know. Their defense wasn't great, but it made stops when it had to. And whether that's via Josh Allen slipping or whatnot, that's still a stop in the book at the end of the day. So Yeah, they won that game. They – proved that even though they weren't the better team they can still figure out a way to win the only reason i look at the titans as a a team that i don't think can edge us out is because like you said they have the chiefs coming up this week and they still play the rams the niners and the steelers who albeit it was week one with the bills didn't play that great the steelers still beat us they still have a great defense a great defensive front and you know that titans offense runs through derrick henry literally and you know, if the Steelers can – any of those teams, like, they have great defenses, the Steelers, the Niners, the Rams, the Chiefs, albeit probably don't have a, a defense that can stop Henry. But those other three teams, they have a front four, front seven that are more than capable of at least slowing them down. I mean, the Bills did a great job slowing them down. Aside from that 175 yeah. touchdown run, which probably should have exactly. been called back for two different holding calls, Henry doesn't go for 160 yards and three touchdowns. It doesn't happen. So – I mean, it, it it's tough. It's a tough loss as a fan. 
but the way I look at it is last last year going into the bye, we had a heartbreaking loss against the Cardinals on one of those sure those plays at the end of the game. And <clears throat> come out of that bye week, you go eight and zero or whatever. You finish the regular season undefeated, going to the playoffs, and you end up losing the AFC Championship game. I think this team is very good at taking what they're given and using it. Um, they're not going to hang their heads on one game like they always say when they beat. Even when they beat the Chiefs, it's just another game. It's another win for us. We need to win. I don't care if it's the Chiefs. It's just another loss. I mean, two losses through six games is pretty good. I mean, you're on pace to lose maybe four. And like you said, that Bucks game seems to be the only one that they really mm-hmm. are going to have any trouble in. So I'm not worried. Um, I like the aggression by Sean McDermott. And, you know, the graphic, what, 13 out of 14 times in his career or whatever, Allen had gone for it on third and one or fourth and one and got it every time except for one on a botch snap. This one he slips. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a tough Tough call, tough way to end that Monday night, but, you know, it is what it is. He moved forward, and this bye week, uh, they got some things to work on. Special teams has been a problem. Yeah. Um, penalties, you know, don't even get in that situation. If Andre Smith doesn't hold and McKenzie gets that, that kick return touchdown. But, mm-hmm. you know, you move on. You move on the next – through the bye week onto the next three games where it should be the easiest three wins you, you get all season with the Jets, yeah, the Dolphins, definitely. the Jags. So – um, but yeah, Bills Titans, Bills losing a heartbreaker, but uh, yeah, that's number five of Collins Countdown. We're gonna move into number four here. Some more um, news breaking out of Houston this week between Texans and Miami Dolphins and trading for. Deshaun Watson, now I just don't understand how this is possible. I get that he's not on the NFL exempt list, so technically he could be playing for the Texans if he wanted to, but <laughs> coming out again here for feels like every other week we're hearing something new. Oh, the Dolphins and the Texans are close to another trade. What are your thoughts on this, Matt? Like, it's it's bizarre that he's able, even able to, like, be traded, be, be playing, and, you know... No, I don't think he's going to play next year. Uh, this year, sorry, if he goes to the like Dolphins in the next week or so, he's not going to play this season. But if this investigation keeps going on and he gets a chance to play, I, I just look at the Dolphins as that contender now in, in our division. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I could be absolutely completely wrong, but I would just assume that a suspension is coming once he gets traded because, like, suspending him now would do nothing because, like, the Texans weren't going to play him anyway. So he'd be sitting there fulfilling a suspension in doing what he's supposed to be doing anyway. But it's also hard to issue a suspension when the investigation is still ongoing and not complete because you don't know how much you're suspending him for. what. So that's why he should be on the exempt list, like you said, because it's just crazy that a team can talk about trading for a guy like this. I mean, they watched Tua go out there week in and week out. I mean, I know he's been hurt. He came back, and he had a he had an okay game. He threw for over 300, a couple bad picks, and it's like and now all of a sudden those rumors just spark up again. And if Tua goes out there and – doesn't play outstanding again this week uh, will there be another rumor on monday morning and it's like it's just i mean i'm not going to take it seriously until it happens at this point it's ridiculous and like you said it's ridiculous that he could even be traded because like how do you know what you're trading for i mean you could easily trade for him and the the investigation could go in deeper it could be even worse and he may never play again so it's like i, I don't know like it's hard to trade for someone until that investigation's done until you know what kind of punishment he's going to have and that's that's why it's interesting to me and then 
there's the aspect of now Tua being thrown in the trade with a third team like the Washington football team because Houston doesn't want him, whether they go the Davis Mills direction or probably draft a guy this year in the top 10, which is what I assume they do. Um, so it's like, they're like, yeah, we don't even, we don't really want him in return. Actually, we're good. Now, so now you got another third aspect that's making it even more complicated. So it's like, I don't know. I just, I'll, it's like I said, I won't believe anything about it until I see it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you, I don't know if, did you see what Brian Flores said about Tua? He said, he's our guy. Um, mm-hmm. We're moving forward with him. Like, I do not believe that for a second. Like, I understand, yeah, no. I understand, like, all the off the field issues with Deshaun Watson, but if you get the choice between Deshaun Watson and Tua, like, a million times out of a million times, you're taking Deshaun Watson. And yeah. it's just, I don't even see him, I don't see Watson playing again. I really don't, I think. Like you don't no, at this get, point it's so hard to. It's like I I don't know. Yeah, just, you get so you get that many allegations against you. It's even if three of them are like proven to, to actually be yeah. true and twenty two of them are twenty some, yeah. Yeah, twenty two of them are false. You still have three allegations against you that were proven to be true. Like you're <clears throat> we see the NFL give out passes for kind of stuff like this with star players like know cream hunt and ap and tyree kill but it, it's just it feels like there's so much against watson right now and i i understand the rule that the nfl can't can't get into it they can't investigate on their own and put him on the exempt list until the federal investigation into him is done but like you said i do believe a suspension would come if he's traded because like right now he's just he's our the texans suspended him on their own and who's to say the Dolphins wouldn't go out and do that because they feel like they still have a chance if he ends up playing. But I don't know. I, I do think it's weird that every week or every other week, pretty much almost every time Tua plays bad, and we heard it all summer too, was Deshaun Watson to Miami and all these like verified guys on Twitter and all these reporters are coming out and saying it and like it seems believable and it just it just never happens. And I just... I can't well, see how he, he comes in and I plays. also, like, I don't want to defend the guy to death, but, like, Tua, a lot of people expect quarterbacks to take off middle of their second year, like, kind of they have a year and a half under their belt. That's not the case with Tua. He still only started 13 games. He didn't start last year, and he's been injured. I just don't know why we're so quick to write the guy off. Like, I mean, look at, we watched Josh Allen, and it kind of clicked from that second year. They had a good record and snuck into the playoffs, and he kind of made some really big plays in that Houston playoff game and then some, like, really boneheaded plays. But you could tell, like, he was kind of – I didn't think he put it together as quickly as he would over that offseason. But, I mean, even, like, Daniel Jones going into this year, at least at the beginning of the year, it looked like he'd kind of figured it out. And then, I mean, the concussion kind of derailed him. But it's, like, kind of, like, in that territory where guys start putting it together and Tua's just not even close to that territory because, yeah, maybe it's the middle of his second year, but in terms of games played, he's only started 13 games. That's, like, really just finishing a rookie year given the injury this year and – everything last year and then like I mean they were a team that had a decent record and a guy like Fitz with a veteran presence behind him so like it was easy for Brian Flores to pull the plug and say like oh maybe on this drive Fitz gives us a better so that didn't really help him either because like but it's like in the terms of winning the game it it did and it's just weird for a team that picked him what fifth or sixth whatever it was ended up being as good as they were because like normally like if you're a guy like um drafted that high like you're not supposed to be that competitive and that's what gave Brian Flores kind of a tough decision because it's like well we did draft this guy we want him to play but we have a chance to win this game and the better quarterback may be on the bench but like he can't bench the rookie so he still has to come out and start every week and like I don't know it just seems like his career has kind of just been thrown around to the point where maybe he does need a new spot like just kind of just to start everything over fresh 
Um, but I don't know, like people that are already like writing him off as a bust. Like I think that's a little harsh. Like he very well might end up being a bust, but I, I don't think you can put that label on him just yet. And if he goes to Washington, and what what do you think that situation looks like if they end up making this big three team trade and he's in Washington, where now they have him and Heineke, and they got Fitz on the IR, who I, I'm pretty sure Fitz signed to a one year deal. And yeah, Washington I think he's supposed, supposed to, to come back too, right? He's yeah. Not, He's not yeah, on season-ending IR, so like if he comes back, well, first of all, do you think if he went there, would Tua start over Heineke? I feel like he should. Like okay. I don't know, just see how long it takes a quarterback to learn a full new playbook. They might drag that out, and it might end up being a kind of into next year thing, depending on when the trade gets done. But when is the deadline? It's like the second, right? So it'd have to be in yeah. the next week or two. So maybe like I don't know when their buy is. Maybe it's like say they trade for him, and they have three weeks, and then their buy. It'd be kind of like, all right, we'll give them those three weeks, and then after the buy, just finish the rest of the season. Could depend on what the record is too. Heineke could start playing like, oh, they brought Tua in. Now all of a sudden, Heineke's on a new level. Maybe they start winning some games. And I know I think they're two and four, and they play like the Packers this week, and then the Bucks next week. So they're probably you can probably write them off, especially the way the Cowboys are playing in that division. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like that's interesting because like I feel like they should because. Fitz, like you said, isn't going to be around forever. He has a one-year deal. He probably won't be back. Um, and Heineke, at times, he's looked like there's a small chance he could be the long-term guy. At other times, it's like, oh, do you understand why he went through all the steps he went through to get here? So it's like, yeah, I think Tua would be their – would have to be their young franchise guy in their eyes. At the same time, you want him to play this year because you want to see if he can be competent because if not, you're going to have a top-10 pick. And it's like, okay, maybe we'll just kind of just like – kind of like how the Dolphins traded for Josh Rosen. They gave up a second-round pick from that night of the draft, um, the draft the year following, and then they ended up getting two a year later anyway. So, like, maybe it's like, yeah, we'll give him a chance. And it, it sucks because it's going to be, like, a small chance, small six to eight-game window for him there if he goes there, but that's just the business. And if he looks well in there, they're like, okay, maybe we can draft elsewhere with our pick, but if they need a quarterback, they're going to need a quarterback, and they'll go from there. But it just seems like his clock of expectations just had to – just went way faster than other rookies and i get yeah because of injuries and because they were a good team because like now they they were they had a decent record last year they had expectations coming in this year and i think they performed this year more to what that they were supposed to be last year but since they made those expectations for themselves it seems all the worse yeah and the dolphins they missed the playoffs by one game last year and everyone came into this season like oh if the bills aren't going to run the table in the afc east who's going to be there to stop that from happening and everyone said it was going to be the dolphins I mean, yes, we didn't know what Tua was going to be like. Fitz came in and won a couple of those games last year, but and he's not there anymore. But that defense was supposed to be really good. They have a top five mm-hmm. corner, top seven corner in the league, and Xavier Howard, good front seven, and, like, decent weapons on offense. They went out and got Jalen Waddle, who's supposed to be, and he's proven it right now, I think, that he's better than Devontae Smith. He was the number one guy on that Alabama offense before he got hurt, and Smith went on to win the Heisman. And it just seems like they can't get anything done. And, you mean, going over to London to lose to Urban Meyer and the Jags, that just doesn't look good for your team. And, like, now they're 1-5, and five, nowhere even close to the level of the Bills play. And we see we get to see Josh Allen take out all his anger on from that Monday night loss on the Dolphins on uh, in a couple of weeks after this bye week. So the Dolphins not looking good. And I wonder what it looks like for their Dolphins organization, like, Yes, we took Tua, and he sucks, and we're going to put Fitz in, and then he Fitz leaves, his, leaves, and then Tua gets hurt again, and we're not making the playoffs. We're 1-5. We're Urban Meyer's first loss. We lost to the Jags, who hadn't won in 20 games, and now we're going to go out and trade for a guy who has 25 allegations against him. It just doesn't look good as an organization as a whole. 
But, I mean, I guess it's not on them, really. It's all on Watson, who was number four on uh, Collins Countdowns here today. All right, Matt, we're going to move into number three. Um, once again, guys, I'm joined by Matt Chalou. Um, number three, I know you're a big baseball guy. I don't want to talk about the ALCS because I know you're a Yankees fan. You hate both the teams. In there. That's I don't even tough. want to talk That's about tough. it. But um, in the NLCS, we have a great series going on, Braves-Dodgers. Fortunately for the Dodgers, they were able to get that win last night. Huge win. Taylor had a monster game for the Dodgers. And they get game six going back home tomorrow night. Um have you watched any of the series? If you have, what are your thoughts? If you've just been looking from the box score, uh, how do you think this series ends? Yeah, I've seen a great deal of it, and um, it's no secret that last year the Braves were in this um, same situation. They were up 3-1 to one on the Dodgers. Um, in a bubble situation, though. Like you were playing, I think they played in, like, they were in Texas or something, so there was no home ballparks, all that, so all the games were there. But, like, th- I was telling my roommates last night, like, this – I know that they lost game five and they go back to Atlanta and it's like, oh, they're going back to their home crowd. It just still seems like the biggest Dodgers momentum swing I've ever seen, even though they're going back on the road. I personally think that the Braves had to win last night because one, you lose and now one um, settings like feelings of last year kind of set in because it's like, oh, no, here we go again type feeling. Um, I don't know. Like it's I know that they they still they're still in the driver's seat. But you drop the next game, all of a sudden you go to a game seven where absolutely, we know in any sport, absolutely anything can happen. It's like, just get there, one of those things. No one's even thinking about, oh, if the for the Dodgers to win this one, that'd have to be th- three in a row. It's like the whole series just all gets thrown out the window. What happened before that? No one cares. Everyone comes in with a 50-50 shot to win, and you just don't want to get in that situation. And that's why I think it was key that for the Braves to win it last night. Um, and, yeah, they're going to have a big game, but they're going to have to face Max Scherzer, who they did kind of get to the first time they faced him. I think they knocked him out after four in this series. So we'll have to see. But he's a big game picture, pitcher, and his back's clearly up against the wall. And like I said, now you have to face him, and you have to face Walker Buehler in a game seven. So you're getting their two best now. I just thought last night was their best chance to win it. I still think they're going to knock him off one of the two just because the way they've been playing, they're too good. They're they're too good to let it happen again, what happened last year. But if the Dodgers were to come back and win the series, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to rule it out. But I do think that the Braves get it done because they are too good to let it happen two years in a row to the same team nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. You know, they deserve a lot of credit for what they've been able to accomplish this season. I mean, I, I heard something. They didn't get to over 500 until uh, I wanted, it was either the beginning of July or the beginning of August that they didn't get to above 500. And now he, I think it was the uh, in August because Acuna got hurt in the beginning of July. And what they've been mm-hmm. able to do and replace a guy who you would think is irreplaceable. Like Ronald Acuna is one of the best top young guys in the in the league. And to go out and get all these players that they got and bring them in. Duvall has been playing great for them, and he's been showing up big in these playoffs. To go out and get these guys, and Jock Peterson, they're calling him Jocktober now. I mean, he needs to have yeah. a big game against his former team in the Dodgers. Um, but, yeah, it's been pretty unbelievable to see what they're able to do, and I really, like, for that reason, I don't want to see them go down again, just like how it happened last year. And like you said, they got to go out and they got to face Scherzer and Bueller, who are two of the top pitchers in the game now, both on the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And it, it sucks for the Braves. You know, you would love to see them 
go home last night, game five, and get the gentleman sweep, and you know get a few days off before you gotta face the winner of the Astros Red Sox series. But now you gotta travel all the way back from Atlanta across the country to LA yeah. to play tomorrow night, and game seven if it gets there is on Sunday. So the team is they both teams are literally going to leave Saturday and fly back across the country to Atlanta to play a game on Sunday. It's a lot of travel for these teams, and if the Braves are able to get it done and the Red Sox can pull off a win tonight, the Braves can get a few rest days. I mean, that's a lot of travel. It is it is a lot of travel for the Red Sox and the Astros going back and forth between Houston and Boston, but I mean, cross-country, you're switching time zones every 12 hours of your day. It's not, not good for those guys, and for them to go in and win tomorrow night in L.A., you know, you you follow baseball a lot more than I do, and you're into it pretty pretty more than I am. Is home field advantage that big a deal in baseball, or is it more of like we're nervous for the Braves because they have to go against Scherzer, not because they're going back to L.A.? Um, no, they are actually – the way that they do it, they're actually home. It goes 2-3-2, two, two. so they're going okay. back to Atlanta. But, I mean, I think just like from – I mean, I was playing Little League, you know, having the last up is key, but I don't – I mean, crowds are huge – but, like, I don't know. Like, baseball's just so slowed down that it's not, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it just, like, it doesn't affect the way that, like, a crowd affects, like, a football snap where you can't hear. Or, mm-hmm. I guess free throws are kind of the same thing is what I'm getting at because those are slowed down, too. And those are also very hard to deal with. But, like, I don't know. Baseball, I just feel like it's so mental that you're just so focused. Like, I mean, you'll get loud crowd reactions. But, like, in terms of the game. Like, I don't know, the crowds aren't really loud. Like, you might walk a guy and get, like, the, you know, the oh, 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 oh chant going. Like, but I I feel like during it, it's not too distracting. But in terms of feeding off energy, if you get a big two-out hit and drive in a run, that could maybe keep your inning alive where the road team's not getting that. But, I mean, ultimately, yeah, coming down to last stops. But, I mean, that's something that we've been hearing, like I said, since we were in Little League. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's as big as it is in other sports, no. Yeah, There's a comfort thing in knowing your own ballpark, I guess, and being in whole, your home clubhouse and all that. That's got to be comforting. Staying in your own bed, but that's that's like all basic stuff that could could play a factor, though. I mean, we'll never. That's not something that can really be shown, but you can kind of figure. Mm-hmm. And like you said, in football, like with the crowd noise, it's you got to go to the silent count most of the time. Like if you're putting yeah. up the Ralph, you're going to silent count. Pitchers and catchers, they're already on the silent count. They're not calling yeah, exactly. plays into each other. What pitch to throw? They just use the signs. So I, I was I was curious on if, like, because I know that's not what it is. It's not like football. It's not even like basketball when it gets loud and you're shooting free throws, like you said. But it is it does play a factor. And, of course, you want to win it in front of your home crowd. And even I've always thought that winning it in front of, like, on the road, in front of the opposing team's crowd and just shutting them down. And, like, I've been on, on the fan side of that, even, like, it wasn't a championship, it wasn't anything, but going to that Steelers game week one and like the Steelers were able to pull it off in front of all the Bills fans and like all the Steelers fans that traveled, you know, they were rubbing it in our face as we're leaving. Like, imagine this it's great hitting the three in front of your own team, in front of your own fans, but like imagine hitting a home run like top of the ninth to just end the game. And of course, walk off. We saw two walk offs first two games this series from the Braves. It's been unbelievable and it's been a great series and so, Matt, we saw last night the Dodgers able to take back game five and go down 3-2, and now uh, the Astros and Red Sox play tonight. It's 3-2. Uh, we're going to get this – I'm going to get this up posted for everybody to listen to before the game tonight. But 
how do you see these uh, two championship series playing out, and what are your, your thoughts going into the World Series? Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I do think that the Braves win one of the next two because they just won't let it happen again. You just can't. Um, and in terms of the other one, uh, the Red Sox were in the driver's seat when they were up 2-1, and that ninth inning happened the other night, and they ended up losing 9-2 or whatever it was, and then that just carried over into the next day for the Astros. They won that one 9-1, so like in the past two games, you've put up 18 runs and haven't given up many runs at all, and they've just totally regained momentum, get to go back home now for the next two, and I don't know, Red Sox had a day off to think about the way things are going, but... If it's not tonight, I don't see the Astros losing again tomorrow. So, I like, I mean, you got two chances in your home ballpark. I think they at least win one of them. And I think the Red Sox kind of <laughs> shot themselves in the foot when they dropped both of those games at home. Because, I mean, it's different if you would have won one of them and you're going back up 3-2. But I don't know. I just feel like they're not really pressured. They're back home. They're not going to lose two in a row at home. So, I mean, well, if it's not tonight, it'll be tomorrow. So, I think it'll be Astros-Braves. Even though Astros Dodgers rematch would be would be pretty sweet, but uh, if it's Astros Braves, it's like the Astros are so much better. But uh, the Braves, I mean, the Dodgers are so much better too, and it's hard to like. I, I don't want to bet against this team now, so it's like I don't know. Like I want to say like it's oh they're so much better. It could easily be Astros in five, but I feel like it goes seven. And like I said, if you can get it to a seven, who knows? I'll go Astros in seven because I think that the Braves can drag them out that long if not beat them i hope they do obviously hate the astros rooting for the braves though big time i'll let that be known good good but i'm yeah, sure everybody will will would love to hear that and you know i'm rooting for the braves as well my dad he's 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 a yankees guy but he likes the braves he likes the twins and i told him he hasn't even been paying attention because he doesn't really follow it that much after fantasy ends but He's a brave guy. I told him they went on two walk-offs. He's like, yeah, I know. I heard. I saw it. That's awesome. <laughs> I hope they can go out and win it all. So, you know, Braves-Dodgers, great series so far. Hopefully the Braves can close it out tomorrow night. If it takes them to a game seven, it's going to be a tough one. But, you know, you'd, you'd hate to see that happen to the same team against the Dodgers twice, two years in a row. But that was number three of Collins' countdown. <laughs> As we move into number two here, um, this one kind of sucks for the sports world. Um, it's not a death or anything. Don't get like that depressed or anything if you're listening. But <laughs> Ole Miss versus Tennessee, that game, great game. Um, oh, forgot to mention this too. Sorry, before we get into number two, in that Astros-Red Sox game uh, series, every game so far has hit the over. The over-under line is set at 9 tonight. I took the over. I, I've, I've heard that stat last night. I took the over. I don't even – I hate both teams. Like you said, Matt, we both hate both teams. Don't care who wins. But the over is hitting every game. So, if you want if you want to go yeah, out and bet one, on that, go ahead. That's one thing you can root for is runs. I mean, you don't care which team wins. And like like you said, it's hit in all five. There's no reason to believe it will stop. You don't want to be that one guy that's like, oh, no, tonight it stopped. Like, you might as well write it while it's here. And yeah. I like that. Yeah, all right. So, we'll get back into this. Number two. Ole Miss-Tennessee, great game. Ole Miss comes out on top. And as the game is ending, um, both teams have to be cleared from their benches. Uh, not in a fight or anything, just because the fans are getting a bit too rowdy, throwing stuff on the field. And Lane Kiffin gets hit with the golf ball, gets a water ball thrown at him. He's got six security officers right next to him as he's walking off the field. I mean, just a bad look for Tennessee. Um, I saw today they were fined uh, $250,000 by the NCAA Sheesh. for 
their actions. Um, not even it's not the team, it's not the athletic uh, department or anything. The fans, it's all those kids, all those drunk college kids. You know, I've been there, you've been there. Um, but you know, not a good look for Ole Miss or Tennessee. Not a good look for college football as a whole in in one of these big games here, Matt. Yeah, no, that's that's just. I don't know. There's like no words. There's there's no reason for any of that. And it's like one of those things when you're doing it, it's like, what are you hoping to get out of it? You know, besides a fine, it's like, oh, if you want to be fined, like, yeah, go ahead and do this. But obviously that's not the end goal. That's what's going to happen. Everyone knows that's what's going to happen. It's like when you look at the same idiots that run out on the field and end up getting banned for life, it's like, okay, um, like, cool. Like in the moment, yeah, you're on the field, but like, I don't know, but like even throwing stuff, you don't even get the glory of being the guy running on the field. Like I don't know, it's just like one guy did it, and next guy did, next to him did it, and all of a sudden it's like the wave. It's spreading all around the field, and there's stuff flying absolutely everywhere. But I don't know, there's no reason for it. It's it's kind of absurd. And I, when I saw I saw the highlights on Sports Center late Saturday night of that game, I'm like, is this this is really going on right now? And they end up having to delay it. What it was like 20, 25 minutes or so just to play the final minute and a half or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Like that's that's ridiculous. And I thought. I thought Lane Kiffin uh, handled it like a champ. Uh, he came out and was kind of joking about it uh, after the game, and was like, "If this, I wish our like." He said something along the lines, "I'm pretty sure, like, I wish, I hope our fans could come out and be that crazy." And obviously, like, he doesn't mean throw golf balls at the other team's coaches, and but you know that atmosphere in Tennessee was is crazy. I mean, Ole Miss ends up winning thirty-one twenty-six, super close game. Uh, pretty big rivals and for that just to happen it, it's a bad look for college sports it's a bad look for the school of tennessee um and i hope that i mean like you said they don't, those guys don't get the glory um you barely can even see like who throws it who throws yeah. stuff but i hope some retribution is paid for by the students because yeah tennessee like they're the ones that have to pay the fine it's not those students like say they pick out say a thousand students they to split the fine or whatever that's not going to happen but those students like if they can be found and figured out who it was i mean i'm sure in the world that we live in today i'm sure whoever threw the golf ball that hit lane kiffin is probably like bragging about it at first his friend probably sitting next to him he probably said hey watch this i'm gonna throw this ball at the head coach get it on snapchat save it i need to have this video for the rest of my life and that's going to be out there somewhere and i hope like it's just a bad look not what you want to do um big game and i love the energy i love the the rowdiness but like looking at these pictures water bottles cans who brings a golf ball into a freaking football game like why do you even have that question it's like how did that even get there i didn't even think of that it's like i don't i don't know that's something that just shouldn't get through security because like what are you gonna do the only thing you can do with this throw it so yeah and so i mean I maybe Here that was his plan going in <laughs> see what happened but like yeah how, I, I see the cans i see the bottles i understand that you buy those at concessions yada yada yeah. yada i think Tiffin did catch a water bottle uh as he was walking off the field i thought that was pretty athletic of him kind of like a third base coach or a first base coach catching a, <laughs> a ground ball off a foul ball but I just don't. How do you get a why? Why do you bring a golf ball? What is the? You just come from golf practice. Like why are you throwing golf yeah, balls I, out I there? Um, no idea. It makes terrible, no sense. terrible look for Tennessee. Um, good look for Lane Kiffin and the way he handled it. Um, it's not like he retaliated and like turned around and whipped it right back at somebody. That would have been pretty funny. Yeah. Not good though at all. But it, he handled it pretty well. Um, Ole Miss. Bo Nix, 
pretty – wait, it's Bo Nix? No, he doesn't go to Ole Miss. He goes to Auburn. Um, you know, I thought this game was pretty good. But, you know, the way that it ended, it, it just takes away from the game. I mean, this game oh, yeah. is 31-26, huge game. And, you know, we're not even talking about the game itself. Everyone, all they want to talk about is the the rowdiness of the fans and the immaturity of those college kids. And it's like, come on, you guys are here to see these these amazing athletes play, your peers, and you have to go out there and take their spotlight off them. It's just, as um, the Tennessee Chancellor said, she's astonished and sickened by the behavior of some Vol fans at the end of tonight's game. And, yeah, it is sickening. It's not what you want to see. You guys are here supporting a game you love a team you love don't go out there and take out because you lost i'm gonna you're gonna throw a golf ball at the other team's coach like if anything i'm not i'm not conveying this or whatever i don't want this to happen but maybe throw a ball at the other the coach isn't the reason you guys lost maybe you should throw it at your your team's coach your team's coach lost you the game your team lost you the game it wasn't the other team throw it at them (laughs) but uh yeah and like you said that's the worst part about it it does just take away from the game because now no one's talking about it's like we forget the game even happened because that's the bigger story clearly and that just takes over mm-hmm. all right so that was number two lane kiffin and the old miss drama against tennessee last week speaking of drama we're gonna move in to number one and Matt, that's an understatement. I, know, <laughs> I know you've you've been bashing this guy since he's been in the league I know. I don't know if you have a hatred for him per se, but I know you. you no, I mean I hate him. I have his jersey for some reason, so like it's kind of a weird thing. Same with Kuzman, I had to give that was a lost bet, so that's different. <laughs> I don't know why I have a Ben Simmons jersey. I just do, but oh man. Yeah, so Ben Simmons um, walked off of practice, um, slammed the ball down. Doc Rivers asked him multiple times to to get in the drill. He didn't want to. He slammed the ball down, walked out, got suspended for their opener the other night. Had a meeting with the team this morning, I think it was, and he came out and said that he is not mentally stable enough to play basketball for the Sixers. Um, Matt, what are your all your thoughts on this? Like, this man is the greatest opportunity in the world, something that we'd all love to be in his shoes and playing professional basketball, getting paid that amount of money to play a game, and he can't respect his coach and his organization. Well, I'm glad today he finally had the, you know, courage and adultness in him to talk to the team because he hadn't done that. And it was like kind of becoming a joke. Like, I don't know, just the videos of him watching. He was practicing in sweatpants, clearly had some large item in his pocket to it. He was practicing. Can't really tell what it is. People are saying it's his phone and stuff. His pocket's like this big. I don't know if it was like, I, I have no idea. But uh, it looked like maybe a water bottle or something. So, like, if you're practicing with stuff like that in your pockets and sweatpants while everyone else is in their shorts and their game stuff. So, you didn't want to be out there. You could tell that from the video. The next day is what ha- what we're talking about. That happened. Then, you know, he stays away for a day, whatever. Comes and apologizes today. Says he's not ready to play. Tobias Harris actually tweeted, kind of told everyone to butt out. And uh, we'll, when he's ready to come back, we'll accept him for a brother he is. That's whether he really feels that or not. That was very well said. And someone had to say it. Um, but I don't blame Embiid for the other day. I mean, that was his initial reaction because they interviewed him right after it happened. Like, yeah, what do you want him to say? Like, he straight up said, I don't care about that, man. I'm sick about hearing it. He's not here. We are. He's like, we have good chemistry. We don't need someone like that doing stuff like that to ruin it. And it doesn't help. Maybe it hurt his feelings, too, that that besides the fact Tyrese Maxey stepped in for his first start as a point guard and averaged tw- or he scored 20 and 5 and whatever he did, and they won the game by 20 points. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. And 
there was like speculation at first that maybe he'd play tonight before his meeting today. And it's like, I, I can't see him ever playing, especially in front of the home crowd again. Cause you're going to be, he's so mental as it is. He's going to be getting booed in front of his, um, in his home arena and you can't have that. And it seems like with him, it's all like, even when he got drafted, like there were all the reports about how good he was. There was always these few reports every now and then that were how he's uncoachable and didn't really have desire for the game. Like that's what you see now because he's not as involved as some other former first overall picks are like, I mean, they, they dedicate their life to get to that point. It's like, see, he's like, yeah, I'm good at it. I like doing it, but I do other things if I could kind of thing. Like he's like more for the money than the game, which is weird because usually the money just comes with the game. You get to be a number one pick because you love the game so much that you dedicate that much. It seems like he was just kind of bust with the talent and was like, Oh yeah, whatever. I'll use it. And now that it definitely all the things that people have say definitely seem to stand out. Cause that's what it seems like now. Mm. Yeah. And he's like, you said, Usually the guys they love the game. They don't. I mean, yes, you want to make that paycheck. Yes, like that's yeah, you're, no you're set. You're set for life. You make the NBA. You get a contract. You're set for life. But you still love to play the game of basketball. And you know, what do you what are your takes on these guy? This guy coming out in the summertime, and we see him cashing threes. But then we see him like in the in the games. I feel like we see it every summer. Like, oh, Ben Simmons is working out, and look at him like walk up two feet in, inside the half court and drill a three. And then you get to the, the NBA playoffs and you're scared to take a shot two feet from the rim over Trey Young. Like, it seems like he just doesn't, he doesn't care. And it's, I don't want to say it's becoming a trend, but like, I know like in Brooklyn, like the same thing, Kyrie Irving, not, not now. And I talked about this last week on the show was, I guess he can do what he wants, like, in terms of that. And, you know, we don't know Ben Simmons' side of the story. Um, we don't, like, exactly know what he's going through. If he's not mentally ready, maybe he's got something else going on in his life. But, like, dude, anyone else that doesn't play in the NBA, even the guys on the, the last guy on your bench would do anything mm-hmm. to get their chance. And Maxi went out and got t- took his chance by the neck and strangled it and he, he performed well enough that the Sixers I mean trade talks have been around Ben Simmons all summer and I mean maybe seeing how Maxi played that first game we'll see how like he goes if Simmons just doesn't play for even a month they'll be quite confident that they can trade Ben Simmons and be fine with who they have and even what they get I mean now with all this coming out about about Simmons and how he's uncoachable and he I mean, Doc Rivers, one of the most respected guys in all of basketball as a coach. You don't respect him. Like, how how is another team going to trade for you? But I guess, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Deshaun Watson. You got all this stuff against you, and yet there's somebody yeah. that wants you. But with all this stuff going on, former first overall pick, guys, a 6'8 point guard, what do you see if they were to trade him? Like, what would be his value right now? Um, I mean, I feel like he's still – valuable because he is still an elite defender and that's just something that doesn't go away defense doesn't go in slumps as I mean, you might have lapses in judgment but you don't get defensive slumps like you get a shooting slump or a bad a bad shooting night usually i mean you're still like i said there might be lapses here and there but you're not going to go into a bad defense night that's what he really brings problem the nba defense isn't all that important so that's not over bad like it is but people don't they're not going to overvalue that i think he's best to, like i think the days of him manning an offense should be over I mean, yeah, he can still bring up the ball. You see guys like LeBron, even the other night still with a guy like Russ there. LeBron's still going to be that. Like, he can handle the ball, and he's in a great, he's a great passer, but, like, more, he needs to spend more time on the low block. 
if he's not going to learn to shoot threes, even though we see videos of him making threes and practices and things like that. Like you can't, you just can't have that, especially now on the Sixers. If he were to come back, they got Drummond coming off the bench. Drummond and Embiid played a great deal together the other night and they should, because I mean, they're both good defenders, both good rebounders Embiid can space the floor a bit, but you, you have the, say you have those two out there and then Simmons at the point, who's pretty much like a drum, a slightly smaller Drummond, good rebounder, good defender. It's like they just would have no space. And that's why I think Maxi better fits their team. Guy like Danny Green's great for their team because he can, you know, actually play on the arc where the other guys can't. And then you have Tobias who can do kind of a bit of both. He played well the other night and last season, honestly, he played pretty well. Um, so like I don't, I just don't see the fit there anymore. Especially all that's gone on and all that they've watched him do. They watched him get kicked out of practice. Like where there's, where's the respect there? Like he clearly doesn't respect them. Like how, did, like they have to. When he left the room, they had to all look at each other and laugh. Like I don't, like that's, it's like the scene out of Coach Carter. Like you don't expect stuff like that to happen in real life, and it did. So it's like I just don't, I can't see him going back there, and I don't know where he'll go. But I think the Kings for me is the most interesting fit. What they'd have to give up, I have no idea. But he'd play for me either three or the four there. Uh, maybe you get Bagley back in a trade because the Kings are done playing him. He's not even a part of the rotation. But then again, that what is he at this point, and what how does he fit that rotation? Like I said, with already guys like Harris and Bead Drummond put down playing the four and five. So I don't know, but he needs to go somewhere that's not in a big city too, because one, he can't take criticism. Sacramento is a good place because I feel like their fans will just do anything to get in the playoffs. They won't be critical, and you can't trade him to like an LA or something because I I feel like he's more of a not not a party guy, but like a I don't know social guy than anything. Like that's just too distracting, and I guess that's part of the reason, part of the problem in Philly. But I don't know. I just don't see anyone who's gonna be bending over backwards to want him given the way he struggled then last season and the stuff that he's pulling now. It's like people don't jump to trade for that kind of stuff. Yeah, especially after this this summer when all we heard was Ben Simmons getting traded. He said he's not reporting. Like, now after all this happens, if you couldn't get a trade done this summer, well, what's going to change? It's going to negatively change your impact you and yeah, your exactly. chances of trading him. Like, you couldn't get a trade done based on who he was as a player, and now you have all this added stuff like how are you going to be able to get a trade done or at least for like what you want. Um, they're obviously going to ask, have a high offer, a high asking price. They're going to want a lot back because I mean, as a player, he's a valuable asset to a team. And, you know, even in the, last year in the playoffs, he, he didn't prove it that much, but he's, he's a six, eight guard who can handle it. He can defend and he can rebound. Like what other six, eight guard is there in the league? I mean, LaMelo's six, six, LeBron is technically whatever if you want to move him as a guard whatever but like the, he's one of a kind in the league or one of few that mm-hmm. have his build his his skill set and I mean we saw Giannis go out and develop a jump shot in the summer why can't he do it and like why can't Simmons come out and prove that he can do it um if he gets traded or even if he stays like do you think long term like if they can't get anything done with a trade and he's just he's still part of the the Sixers organization, do you see the Sixers having success with all this drama in the background? Um, honestly, no, at this current moment, it just feels like it's impossible. Like, I, I don't know, especially because that duo of him and Embiid have kind of already run their course already. Even put all this distracted stuff aside. Cause it's like the NBA is one of those things where you got two guys and they've gone at it. They've gone, you know, they've gone deep in the playoffs with three or four times now. It's like one of those things where eventually, and like that's what I think the Blazers are one more, you know, series crushing loss away from having to blow through. Like you don't want to. Like you have guys like Dame and McCollum are really good, but eventually if they don't work, you have to do something. So it seemed like the Sixers were already kind of getting at that point, to be honest. I mean, 
especially after last year, you know, the way that it ended. Um, it's like they're always just so close, but yet at the same time still so far, and it's like none of that. Like they tried the coach thing, brought in a guy like Doc, who's respected by many, like you said, um, got Brett Brown out of there, um, and it was really the same same thing. Like, yeah, they were a little better, a little closer. I mean, they went up against the Hawks team that they ended up losing to that I think we can agree that they should have beat, like on paper anyway. But, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where just, like, a group of certain guys like that losing together so much, like, one of them has to go. And, I mean, it's not going to be Embiid, obviously, especially with all this going on. It's just like, yeah, like, their window might have – it's hard to say their window closed because they're both so young. But it's like uh, – it's like what they, it just gets stale almost is, like, I guess the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it kind of is a thing now in the NBA, like like you said. Even, like, fantasy fantasy, like – oh, I have this great roster and somehow I can't manage to get a win. Like, you've got to shake things up somehow because yeah, it's not working. It's like, and like you said with the Blazers, I mean, Dame came out and said he's not leaving Portland. Like, he wants to do everything he can to bring a title to that city. But, like, the Blazers organization, they got to do something to give him talent because, yeah, you make the playoffs every year. Yeah, you win round one, even round two, get to the conference finals. But you can't get past that hump. And, like, we saw it. In Houston, I mean, Harden couldn't. He got them so far yeah, every like, year, and but you couldn't get past the Warriors. You couldn't make it take that final jump. And even like you get them to the finals, that's better than making it to the Western Conference. You get to the NBA Finals, like okay, like, yeah, we did this. We can get there again next year, like and maybe win it. But you can't get past that that one hump to get you there. It's it doesn't look good for your team, and then you got to figure out a way to to get it done. And with Simmons. I, the, the East is getting a lot stronger. I mean, now we saw in the past five, six years, it was always pretty much every team out of the that's going to win it is going to come out of the West. I mean, obviously, there are the Warriors, then there were the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz are now good. The Suns came out last year. And now, mm-hmm. like, the East seems to be getting a lot better. The Heat are good. Um, the Sixers, they've been good. The Hawks are a really good up and coming team. The Bucks, obviously, with Giannis and you know the the East isn't a joke anymore, and and even Charlotte they they've been they've been playing well. They have Lamelo who's been playing really well. So if you're gonna contend, like the East isn't what it used to be, where you can't walk your way into the playoffs. Like even in the bubble, like they only brought one team in to even compete to get a chance. When the West brought four or five, um, yeah. it, it's not a cakewalk into the the playoffs anymore in the East. I think the Sixers are easily like. They're, they're going to get into playoffs. I think that's not a question just because they have Embiid, who's one of the best big men in the game, and he can carry you. But, like, going forward, it, it just doesn't work. And it's, we've seen over the last week that Joel Embiid is not the problem. It's Ben Simmons, and they got to figure out what to do with him because it just it, it's not good to have someone like that around your team and have, like, like Embiid said, like, I don't care about that man. He's bringing all this negative attention to us. You think – Every game, every game that Simmons is still on that team, every press conference after the game is going to be like, oh, yeah. oh well, no what how do, do you feel? What's what's Ben Simmons doing? Like, oh, you, Embiid, if, like, if these guys have any sense of balls, go out and say, like, shut up. Like, he's not playing. We just won a game against the Lakers. Why don't you ask me about that? Not how I mean, he it's kind of like, kind of like the number two thing we just talked about. But in this case, Ben Simmons is the garbage being thrown on the field because, like, it's – they're going to play great games and that's all that people are going to be asking about is, you know, that 
that what happened, like throwing the garbage on the field during the Tennessee game. Now it's just going to be what Ben Simmons did at practice three days ago by walking out. But like, oh, like tonight they win. They want they go on to beat the Nets, big win. You know, start the season two and zero, and it's going to be like, well, how did how did Ben take the win? And like, I don't know if he's still showing up. I don't know what's going to go from here. But they'll be asking about what Ben said to the team this morning after tonight's game, win or lose. And it's going to be one of those things, like, if they lose, like, someone's not going to want to – like, you just lost, poured your heart out, sweat, played Embiid playing probably 35, 40 minutes tonight, and, you know, they go on to lose a tight game, and someone asks you that. Like, I'd get up and walk out. Like, I – because it's, like, uh, it's one thing after a win, but after a tough loss, it's got to be – like, why would anyone want to talk about that? Yeah, and, of course, uh, everyone's going to say, like, oh, you guys lost by two. Maybe if you had Simmons, like, what do you think yeah. would have happened? It would have gone differently, like, do you think? And, obviously, the answer is, like – well, yeah, we could have done stuff better. Stop asking me about Ben Simmons. Like, mm-hmm. and Bede said, he came out and said it, and I respect him for coming out. Like, like you said, I don't care about that man. Like, he's bringing all this negative attention to us. Like, stop asking me about him. So, yeah, exactly. Just negative look for him, negative look for the Sixers. Something's got to be figured out, something's got to be worked out. But yeah, that was that was number one. <laughs> A lot to a lot to talk about this week. We talked on Bills Titans, Deshaun Watson, the NLCS, Lane Kiffin, and all that trash thrown at him, and then uh, Ben Simmons, who we just said is probably the trash being thrown at all the players, and not talking about the game. But um, thank you all for listening, uh, Matt. Thanks for coming on the show with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Maybe we'll do it again in the future sometime. It's always, it's always good to talk sports, you know that. So. Oh yeah. Best of luck to you down at Bynes. Keep putting that work in. Um, yes, sir. Thank you all for listening. Um, tune in next week. Uh, we're going to have, obviously, a big week in sports coming up. Those bye weeks, we're not going to be able to talk about them like we did this week. But, you know, maybe we get a Deshaun Watson trade in. World Series will be set by this time next week. And we'll see what happens in this next week of sports. For Mesh Lou, I'm Colin Tong. And uh, thanks for joining me on Colin's Countdowns. <laughs>